Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. You got a big dream board with like it's just got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills. I'm Graham. I'm here once again with Eric, who's going to be eating tons of crow during this week's episode. How you doing, man? I'm untouchable, bro. I had set myself up for, yes, a Bills loss here, and I'm feeling great coming off of a big, huge even Bills win. Don't you feel a little bit disappointed in yourself for not having faith in the Bills? Um, No, not really. I mean, I feel better about having motivated our guys to a huge victory over a very scary Dolphins team. I think we do often underestimate the impact that this podcast has on the very players on the roster, so it's possible that you kicked their butts in the right direction. We actually do have a track record of that. I mean, Dawson Knox, we both basically wrote off as a bust after his rookie year. Uh, I think it was also Motor Singletary we had written off. We really motivated these guys. Matt Milano would not be the greatest linebacker in the league were it not for your weekly bashings for the first two seasons of his career. So Right. uh, We spurred Tremaine Edmonds onto his best year ever and now that we don't even talk about him he's invisible in chicago playing not very well so chicago well no one in chicago is playing very well so he's got to be really wishing he had taken like a 10 million dollar pay cut to stay here (laughs) uh yeah i mean it depends on what kind of person he is is he uh motivated to be the best and play with the best or is he motivated by money and yeah maybe he's just loving life right now yeah he made no expectations he's getting paid they just keep losing no one's even looking at him yeah i somehow doubt that's the mentality that most of these players have but you never know in any case we got to talk about this dolphins game because this was a riot from start to finish it was a great game initially the score in the end is lopsided and i Obviously, the Bills dominated here, but I was talking to people afterwards and I was saying I was kind of prepared for that to be the outcome one way or the other. Like, I think you wouldn't have had to change a lot about this game for the score to end up being the same score, but flipped the other direction, because I feel like it's such a two high power teams going head to head. And the minute one team slips up, they're going to have to start to do crazy things to try to keep up. And then it's just going to get away from them and snowball. And that's really what happened here with Miami. But the Bills did an excellent job from wire to wire. Right. They did an excellent job, and they did it shorthanded, too. I mean, a bunch of injuries in the secondary. They were, of course, heading into the game without Jordan Poyer, and yet they still stymied. Is that the word? Yeah, stymied. I think so. The Dolphins passing attack and made Tua look very mortal after a few weeks of just awesome ball. The only guy that really got... Rolling big time for Miami was Devon Achan, Achan. And dude, he's so freaking fast. He is crazy fast. And so is Raheem Mostert, but he had a couple of fumbles that maybe he did. are what caused him for... Uh, he just kind of sat on the bench for most of the game. But Achan got in the end zone twice and... On eight carries. You got to yeah. think, like, they should have just fed him the ball the entire time. And uh, I don't know. 
his ratio right now is insane. So maybe you would have kept them in this game single-handedly. But uh, yeah, you got to love what the Bills defense was able to do, bottling up the Miami offense. And the Bills offense was just rolling the entire game, you know? So uh, Stefan Diggs, huge day. And um, who else am I thinking of? Josh Allen. Gabe Davis. Yeah, well, yeah, that goes without saying, bro. But Gabe Davis looking good on a little bit of limited work. The only thing, Jimbo Cook. Jimbo Cook didn't have the lanes that he was having in previous weeks, huh? They didn't need him to because Josh was excellent and he was throwing the ball like crazy. I think he finished the game with a perfect passer rating and uh, Jimbo did get involved in the passing game. One particular play was really incredible. Josh rolling out to the right and then um, him finding some space and just sprinting down the sideline for a huge pickup. So kind of like how they've used him in previous games. He's not going to carry the team, but he provides exactly what they need up the middle. And also Latavius Murray had a great game on the ground and Damian Harris had a couple nice runs. So they don't need to lean on him heavily. It's just that once in a while, he's going to have a great game and, and look really great because of it. Yeah, I just, well, I mean, it's just a little selfish, not really selfish, but it's just a little nitpick from my end. I wanted to see Jimbo string together three really strong games in a row, but you know, we should be happy with two. And you're absolutely right. Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray, 33 years old, I think, didn't we establish last pod? And he old looks man fast. Murray. He yeah, he broke fast. off a 30 yard run. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, love watching him. Damian Harris, who by all accounts was, you know, dead in the water over the summer, has looked like he's brought some juice uh, as well. The only thing is, outside of Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, well, no, they did get Dalton Kincaid involved early, right? It felt like the first three passes were straight to Dalton Kincaid. Uh, and I had to think, even in that moment as I was watching it, if you were right about them having kept him kind of like under wraps as a secret weapon. But his end stat line looked, I think, very similar to the other games, like four catches for... I don't know, 30 something yards. Right. And it was all real close to the line. So, yeah, he had uh, four receptions for 27 yards. He didn't, okay, yeah. didn't do much. He did have one awesome pickup where he broke a couple tackles and might have even picked up the first down kind of extending there. Same thing, though. Well, with Dawson wasn't Knox. that Dawson Knox? I thought well, Dawson, Dawson Knox, Knox had one catch in the game, yeah, which was a one memorable catch, one. But he was a beast on it. Yeah. He just he, plowed through, he made, I think, Javon Holland. It, yeah, the, I was going to say, he made Javon Holland one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, just looked like a little playground kid throwing him off to the side, basically. Also with the offense, I know you were throwing some shade at Deontay Hardy, but the way they used him in this game was pretty effective. He had a couple of catches on plays that went for positive yardage, and one of them was a big one. So I, I liked what they did with him in this game. Yeah, I'm not against... Deontay Hardy in general I'm against the I don't know if they're like end arounds or whatever just like bubble passes that I don't know it just wasn't working wasn't the right time to be using those but I I don't know I I hesitate to say that they used him super effectively I don't think he had such an impact on this game but so he it had wasn't two catches like a lost cause. but Josh used him as a check down in a bubble screenish way it wasn't a bubble screen but Josh used him as a check down and he just like a little jitterbug, got out of a few tackles and scrambled for a first down and looked really good. It was the first time that I've seen him uh, look guy dangerous in space. And so, right. yeah, I, I like that he's an option occasionally on the field. Yeah. But um, he had two targets, two receptions. So what he did was exciting. And then um, yeah. Trent Sherfield got involved in this game, too. He did? He had he two had, catches. Uh, okay, I was going to say. 
He had a catch or two against his old team, and his old team looked to be missing him because their real only weapon on offense besides Devana Chen was Braxton Berrios, of all people. I'm sure they could trade in Tyreek Hill for Trent (laughs) Sherfield right now. They'd do that in a heartbeat. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, (laughs) We didn't even mention Braxton Berrios in our preview pod because we didn't feel like we needed to. It was Tyreek Hill. It was Jalen Waddell coming back from an injury, and both of those guys were more or less shut down in this game, which is awesome to see, especially after especially after a big loss for the Bills secondary. Uh, yeah. It's good to have depth at this the, point in time. Uh, the it? looming shadow of the Trey White injury, is it's a real shame because this game was so exciting and so fun, but to lose Trey again to another season-ending mm-hmm. injury and he's getting up there in age, it's just, it doesn't look good. I, you never know with a guy. They're saying, you know, he'll be back. He's a tough, he's a dog. He'll do his thing. But man, an ACL and then an Achilles, you never know if this is the last time we saw Trey in a Bills uniform. It could be. And if I were him, I would probably be ready to hang him up because you can't just keep doing this and spending a whole year coming back and then you're back, but you're having to take it easy for half that season. And now you're two years older than you were when you got hurt. It's tough. Yeah, man. This, I think, was probably like peak post-surgery uh, Trey White as well. He was playing relatively well in the last weeks. I said before that I didn't think he was his formerly elite self from the pre-ACL injury, but uh, he was looking good, and it's a real huge blow for the uh, secondary to lose him. And I completely agree because by the end of next season, he would be 30 years old, and I can't imagine he's going to be ready to even go at the beginning of next season. So it could be like two years before we see him in any meaningful form. And I don't know if that is going to happen with his contract status and everything else. So it's it really sucks. Yeah. Not just for I him, but for the, the team. Best and for can, him. Yeah, and the Sean McDermott was broken up about it. It was pretty tough to hear. And he was obviously like in severe distress on the – field freaking out very frustrated obviously probably not as much related to the pain of the injury i'm sure it was very painful but you could tell it was a lot of just like frustration with being injured and not being available and the long road to recovery that he's very familiar with so frustrating um and the bills are going to have to decide whether they want to just let the next man step up to the plate that being first round pick kair elam or if they're going to need to address that position with a trade before the deadline, which I think is like Halloween this year. So they've got yeah. a little bit of time to see if what they have is enough and then address the position if they need to. I, and the crazy thing is that the minute we lose Trey, we're potentially getting Von Miller back. So we never even get to see right. this defense at a hundred percent, which is scary because of how unstoppable they've been so far without Von Miller. And uh, that defense I think we should talk about that. Um, the defense was amazing in this game. I do have a yep. couple of nitpicks, though, because Ooh, okay. it, the, the defense was great, and the Dolphins are a very good team, but I was very frustrated a few different moments with the defense for botching some opportunities that they should have taken advantage of um, because we're think, talking about how quickly this Dolphins offense gets rid of the ball, and you're never going to sack him, so you got to try to take advantage of the opportunities you have. And on the first drive... Tua almost throws a pick to Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard, and they're bobbling mm. it, 
and somehow Jalen yeah, Waddle comes Jaylen down Waddell with the ball. Jalen Waddle comes up with it. Yeah, that was like, frustrating. You got to take advantage of that. That reminded me of the Vikings game last year. Like at least just just get the ball down on the ground, swat it if yeah. you can't catch it. So that was frustrating. Not nearly as frustrating though as fourteen fourteen. Micah Hyde doesn't fall on a fumble that's on the Miami 30-yard line. I think it's Raheem Mostert fumbles mm-hmm. the ball, and it rolls through seven different players and lands at Micah Hyde's feet, and he tries to pick it up and run with it, and it gets knocked out of his hands, and Miami falls on the ball. Now, it ends up being a punt, but the Bills end up getting the ball on their own 30 instead of on Miami's 30 in a tie game, and ultimately the Bills ended up having a punt on that drive. Right. So right. it was missed. Missed opportunity for points. It was at least three points that they left on the field. Not just that. I can't remember at what point in the game it was. It had to be late first quarter, maybe. Uh, ball hits Trey White right in the hands, and he's not was able to hang on to it. Twenty-one fourteen. Bills are up, and was it? Trey just blows a pick six. Right. Well, maybe it wouldn't have gone for a touchdown, but it hits him right in the hands while he's running towards the ball. Yeah, and yep. no one's it touching. It was one of those. It was one of those things where he's just already looking to see his lanes that he can try to run through. So, Fortunately, they picked up the slack and still took the ball away a couple of times. They got a fumble. They got a pick. All the things that they said you can never do to Tua. You're never going to sack him. Well, sacked him four times. Never going to pick him off. Well, they picked him off and should have picked him off three times. Um, They made Tua look pedestrian. And all the hype about the Dolphins being the new powerhouse in the league and the kings of the AFC East... It's hilarious to watch that just die immediately because they looked so inferior to the Bills when that game was over. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, it's one game. They have another another uh, face-off later on in the season, and you have to wonder how much Trey White's injury will hurt the Bills uh, then, but they showed the ability to shut down this offense once, and hopefully they can do it again. Uh, what did you think of your boy, Andrew Van Ginkle, Graham? He's all over the place. He was a lot more effective than Bradley Chubb out there. Uh, I think he yeah, had dude. a pretty good game. <laughs> he, had, he had a good game. He had two sacks, I think. Uh, but there was one where he he came in and n- nailed Josh Allen for a late hit, I think, that was not called. And I was watching it and thinking as he's like Van Ginkle knew he was getting away with something, but he still like even looked back over his shoulder at Josh. I don't know if you remember this, but I was watching that thinking that you must be going insane. Well, uh, I, I get frustrated home. by that stuff, but also Josh has just such a reputation now for being a flopper and a whiner. And mm-hmm. I hate floppers and whiners. The exception is Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen. So if he flops and whines, I assume he's correct. But most of the time now when he's flailing around, and they show the highlights, it's a lot of him embellishing. So I think I remember the play you're talking about. He's in the pocket, right? And he gets like stomped or uh, pushed as he's he's gotten rid of the ball. Yeah, the play play came close to the helmet too. Yeah, I I wasn't as frustrated by it as you uh, because I just look at it and I think like, oh, there's Josh. Like I almost think he's trying to to manufacture those situations a lot of the time. Whereas in the past... I would have thought like people are coming for him. I think he's trying to make other people do that to him. So dude, unrelated, totally unrelated to this game. Did you see Justin Herbert get smacked out of bounds by Jerry Tillery? No. In the Raiders Chargers game? I only saw that. Now I saw him get his 
fingers stuck in a face mask and he was wearing like a big block on his hand uh, for the rest he, of the game. He gets beaten. He's just getting beaten. But uh, Jerry Tillery, man, Notre Dame alum. I was psyched when he got drafted in the first round by the Chargers and then he stunk and now he's with the Raiders and he is just establishing a reputation as a dirty player, smacking Justin Herbert as he's like clearly, he like had already stepped out of bounds and Jerry Tillery comes in and just whams him. He plays for the Raiders. That's just going to yeah. happen to you. you. That's a franchise that has that reputation. Yeah. How about that game, though? Khalil Mack with six sacks in one game. I know. Yeah. Our boy, boy, Khalil. Yep. Friend. He almost killed you. <laughs> almost <laughs> killed me. Did we ever We're tell close. that story on the pod? I don't think so. Yeah, maybe for another <laughs> There's day. a time and place. I don't want to relive yeah. that right now. But yeah, we'll uh, see it for we the go Khalil way back. Pod. <laughs> yeah. So um, we haven't even mentioned Stephon Diggs, but he had an, an oh, incredible game. The I second actually touchdown, felt bad for Kadir Kaho. Oh, my gosh. He was embarrassed. Why yeah. didn't they move Xavier Howard over? At the end of the game, he was complaining. He's like, know. oh, you're going to pay me all this money. You got to put me on the, the number one receiver. And like, yeah, he's kind of got a point. What are you doing? I don't know. Maybe they just thought that like, I don't know, body white, body type, athleticism wise, the, the matchup was better the way it was. But but. Yeah. By halftime, you got to realize this isn't going well <laughs> and change it up. Yeah. I don't know. What was I, that? That was the one the one long touchdown. It was like 50-something yards where uh, Kader Caho just has Stefan Diggs dead to rights and cannot get him down on the ground. And Stefan spins away, trots down along the sideline. Well, and how about touchdown. the safety that comes in to help on that play? Right. Diggs yeah, gets out of yeah. both. What was that safety doing? He I came in. I guess I he just tried to this, strip him. The safety went up high though, right? Like the safety I think was coming in to try to maybe break up the pass. I can't remember. The exactly, safety shows but... up long after the catch is made oh, okay. and just stands yeah, there. Yeah, I don't have a good memory of that then. Yeah, it's a I just it's remember Kadio Kaho wrapped around Stefan Diggs' legs and maybe the safety just thought he had him. Twisted out, spun around, boom, baby. Pro Football Focus gives every player a grade between zero and a hundred, and Kader Kohu's rating for that game was twenty nine because of how Oof. terrible, which is like an obscenely low number. He's the lowest graded player anywhere on the Miami team, and I don't know how to sort by league, but I would guess that's like one of the lowest grades given this week. Uh, well, I don't know. Raiders offensive lineman would probably be pretty low. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Anything else about this game you want to get into? Um, no, you also took the Dolphins coaching, didn't you? I did. I was, yeah. This is a clear win for the Bills coaching staff. It is. I mean, it's a thorough drubbing. This was Sean McDermott doing his thing as defensive play caller versus, uh, Mike McDaniel doing his thing as the offensive play caller. Checkmate, Sean McDermott. To, to Mike McDaniel's credit though, he, they did a lip reading on him meeting Sean McDermott at center field after the game and them shaking hands. And uh, he says, I respect the F out of you to Sean McDermott when they show oh, up wow. and shake hands. Yeah, because he See, man, got so thoroughly he outplayed. not like that guy? Because he's a coach in the AFC East and he's a nerd. Uh, you're a nerd. I'm not. I bash nerds. Yeah, you are. I eat nerds for yeah, breakfast. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm one of those PFF tough math teachers, you know? Yeah, right. Guys. You've got, you've got PF, you have a PFF subscription and you also have created your own thing called Grammalytics. Tell me you're not a nerd. I was under the impression that all cool kids did things like that. <laughs> Don't we all play with spreadsheets in our spare time? Oh boy. Oh boy. Anything else about this Dolphins game? Nope. 
Great game. On to the next one. Cool. Let's talk about the Jaguars because the Bills are traveling to London and so are you. I am. Boots on the ground. uh, Boots on the ground, meeting the seats. We are putting this podcast out early this week because I'm going to be in London early and I'm not going to bring all my stuff with me to record. You know, I'm going to live, live my life, uh, breathing in the sights and sounds of without the shackles of this podcast weighing you down at every corner (laughs) man this is a great stress on your life huh this will be the second time that i'll go to london for a bills game and the second time that i will see the bills play the jaguars in london that makes sense because the jaguars are the official team of london yeah they are the official team of london And yet the Bills are considered the home team. That's BS, man. It is such BS that the Bills are forced to hand over a home game to the Jaguars in London. Like, okay, NFL, if you want to try to like squeeze as much money out of this whole international thing as possible, that's fine. And Shad Khan, if you want to uh, make everybody think that, you know, you can possibly move your team to London as a way of squeezing every single penny out of the city of Jacksonville, that's fine. But don't bring the Bills into it and make the Bills suffer by, as you said, giving up a home game. That's such right. complete horse poo. I was cursed just now. This is I'm so upset. So frustrating because, like you said, the Bills were supposed to be at home. This is supposed to be a home game. It's supposed to be an advantage. Now, I think it will be fine because Bills fans travel well. I think you're going to have a lot of Bills fans with you. Those London games are typically not well attended by fans of either team playing the game. It's a lot of like Cowboys jerseys and Chiefs jerseys. Oh, and yeah. It random. was wild. <laughs> yeah. So I was there and there were like there was like a fan section of Vikings people. <laughs> What's going on over here? So confused. But it's a lot of fun, I suppose, to see a, an NFL game played in an alternate location. And you really do have to get over to it's I think it's Dolphins Chiefs and it's in Germany. You gotta go no, to that game. Absolutely not. Why not? That would be so much fun. Dude, the tickets to that game sold out in like five minutes when they went on sale. Last season, just for, you know, giggles, I checked the prices of the Patriots. I think it was Patriots Seahawks, right? I don't or know. Was it the Bucks? I can't remember. I Bucks, think the Bucks Seahawks played maybe? in Germany. Yeah. And that game, the tickets on the secondary market were being sold for 800 euro. What is, is that a whole in lot real more money? Than 800 US dollars. Oh, it's wow. Not a whole lot, but it's like 850 probably. Okay. So, wow. yeah, no thanks. Brah. Well, they're playing the Jags, who already played in London. That's another advantage the Jags have. They played last week in London. So they're just hanging out there. I'm sure they didn't come yeah, home. That's the other thing. They're adjusted, all that. It's pretty much a, a very. And- Lose-lose situation for the Bills from a lot of perspectives here. I don't know if you remember from your trip over to Europe, but it is no joke traveling this way. Like, jet lag is so real, it's insane. And there was a Jaguars player who apparently has played, like, more games in London than anybody in the NFL ever has. A guy I've never heard of, to be honest with you. Um, But he complained about two things. He complained about the taxes, their game checks, get taxed up the wazoo for... uh, playing in London, and he complained about the jet lag. And he said, there's nothing you can do, no matter what you try, whether it's like staying up all night the before the trip and then trying to get to sleep right away or this or that or the other thing, nothing works. And so my biggest concern is that the Bills are going to be fighting, you know, all of the 
external factors of uh, playing a game in London as opposed to you know just having to focus on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, there's a lot at play here, but the Jaguars were there last week. They beat down the Atlanta Falcons. Oof, uh, I, yeah. I watched this game because they turned the character, the players into Toy Story characters, and they played a, an animated version of this on Disney Plus. Did you see this? No. They put a chip in every player's shoulder pad that allowed them to turn the game into what looked like to the movie Toy Story, and they had the whole game being played by Toy Story characters on a football field in Andy's bedroom from the movie. Whoa. Every that's play. That's actually really cool. It was pretty sweet. It wasn't perfect. So like there was a lot of lagginess. Was it like live the, or can you like go back and live. see it? live. Yeah. So as the play can, was happening. Can you go back and see it? Oh, you could probably go back and watch highlights. It's It was pretty neat. Okay. Um, so I watched some of it on there just to see like how are they doing this? And then I found out that it's a chip in the shoulder pads of all the players. So that was cool. Um, but they... They beat down the Falcons pretty bad. Their quarterback situation is terrible, so the Jags took advantage yeah, I was of that. Say, Falcons kind of beat down themselves too. And the Falcons just stink. They have Bijan Robinson, but nothing else going for them. It's a pretty sad state of affairs over there. So the Jaguars have been, um, you know, they lost a couple games coming into this. Lost to the Texans. Lost to the Chiefs. But they kind of got right last week, and their numbers are a little inflated because they played a terrible team last week. But they passed the ball effectively. And so on paper, this would appear to be two teams that are hot coming into this game. But I don't know how real that is because the Falcons are not the Dolphins. Oh, well, for sure. The Falcons are not the Dolphins. I do think the Falcons are a stronger team, though, than you are giving them credit for. I do believe that they're handicapped by their quarterback. Desmond Ritter is just matters not a it. lot. Yeah, for sure. But. In weeks before, they have been able to play around the quarterback. And as you said, Bijan Robinson uh, is a beast. And they're really deep at running back in general. Um, and their defense is playing very well from um, you know everything that I've read. Their defense is playing very well in comparison to yeah the Falcons teams of recent years. So it's not a weak Falcons team. And the Texans loss for the Jaguars, which looked bad at the time, is starting to look not as bad because the Texans might be an actual team this year. CJ Stroud looking really, really good as a rookie and has a lot of young weapons around him on offense. And I think their offensive line is getting uh, healthier. So Jacksonville Jaguars, they're coming off a big win against the Falcons. They did lose against the Texans, but that means by 20 points, they lost by 20 points to the Texans. That's a pretty, the Texans just crushed the, Pittsburgh Steelers too and I'm not saying the Pittsburgh Steelers are Super Bowl contenders or anything but yeah again, but they also lost expect... Kenny Pickett during that game and there's yeah, I think still you don't expect a team who everybody was marking down as being in contention for the you know next top five pick again in next year's draft with a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach as being super competitive like they have been yeah uh, credit to to CJ Stroud for sure um, I heard a stat today that he is on pace to break the rookie passing record right now by 800 yards. Oh my and god! That's Andrew Luck's rookie passing record, which is something like, like uh, I don't know, like 42 or 4,200 yards or something like that, maybe. Wow! But yeah, he's supposed to hit 5,000 yards passing if he keeps this <laughs> well, up. Well, that's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. But um, pretty cool that he's having the success that he's having. Anyway, the Jaguars. Let's get into our positional breakdowns and start comparing 
at the quarterback position. What are your thoughts on the uh, what's his name? Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Sunshine. Trevor baby. Lawrence. Yeah, he looks like Sunshine from Remember he the does. Titans versus Josh Allen, who I don't know if it's out yet, but he's got to be the AFC Player of the Week again or something like that because he was perfect last week. He, he was. had he as was. many touchdowns, more touchdowns than incompletions, if you count his rushing touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Five I touchdowns, yeah. four yeah. incompletions on the day. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, yeah, for that reason, we're both going to choose Josh Allen. You know, there's no doubt about it. But Trevor Lawrence uh, is a little bit of an enigma this season. It seemed like at the end of last season, he sort of uh, was breaking out and establishing himself as an elite quarterback. And this year, it's been slow going here at the beginning of the season. Uh, he has yet to really find a nice rhythm with his presumable number one receiver, presumed uh, number one receiver, uh, Calvin Ridley. And instead he's had to keep this team going by, you know, getting other players involved and relying a little more heavily on the run game than you would expect a team with a elite quarterback to do. But uh, I think, you know, he can do it all. He's got a huge arm. He's very accurate and he can run like the wind when he gets out in the open field. So I really like Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback, but he's just not having the success you would expect so far this season. Yeah, he's grading really well. Um, Actually, PFF has him as the number two quarterback in the league just based on how effective he's been with what he's had. He's only passed for four touchdowns and has thrown two picks, so his stats don't look great, but he's been very effective with what he's been given, making the right decisions in most situations, and just not being put in the right position to succeed in the situations where they're losing games. So little deceiving. It looks like maybe he's having a terrible year because the Jags have underperformed, but he's playing well. Still, I'm going to take Josh Allen for sure in this game. All right. We agree. How about running back, Graham? Huh. Um, well, what the Jags have at running back is pretty impressive. I think uh, ETN is a pretty special back, but it doesn't seem like they've found a way to use him in the way that everybody expected them to yet. It's like that offense just isn't quite clicking the way that it's supposed to. So, um, you know, because of his potential and because of his draft pedigree, I think you'd maybe want to give the nod to him. But the Bills rushing attack has been more effective lately. So I'm a little torn. I guess I pick the Bills. I take the Bills. I like James Cook and Latavius Murray and what they've been doing lately over what the Jags have been able to muster with what is supposed to be a pretty premium running back. Right. I I completely agree. Travis Etienne is you know, a bigger reputation than he is a player right now. Tank Bigsby, rookie running back that they drafted in the third round, has looked at times more effective than Travis Etienne. Um, And even though Jimbo didn't have a big game against the Dolphins, as you mentioned, I really like that they the Bills were able to get Damian Harris and Latavius Murray involved and sort of keep things chugging along on the ground. So I'm going to say I like the overall strength of the Bills' backfield more than the Jacksonville They've Jaguars. They've also got uh, Tank Bigsby, who's been playing pretty well lately. He's like their number two guy at that position, and he kind of stood out uh, to me last week when I watched some of that game on Toy Story. Yeah, man, he's so a, for he's whatever that that's I was worth. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah he stood out. <laughs> Which character did he play as? Actually, they all, looked like fo- they all looked like a generic football player that you would pull out of like a toy box. So they all looked uh, identical like a football player. And then you had like uh, you had Toy Story characters doing things on the sidelines, like whenever they would measure, it was Slinky they would pull out, and he would like measure the sticks with the Slinky that's dog. Just such a weird connection. 
Like, yeah. Why Toy Story? Is there I another movie? Disney's out trying to be involved. You know how Nickelodeon did playoff games or something. It's right, just that kind right. of thing. They're trying to get kids to think it's cool. And, and it was a neat twist. Uh, uh, okay. But anyway, yep. I give the edge to the Bills at running back. Receiver, boy, you can't pick anyone other than the Bills receiver group after what no. Stephon Diggs last week. No, yeah. Stephon Diggs looked like a beast. Gabe Davis, three catches on three targets, I think it was, right? And uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, again, kind of, as you mentioned, a theme of this offense, have been very underwhelming at receiver this season. Uh, Calvin Ridley, as I mentioned, brought over in a trade from the Falcons was supposed to be their number one guy, and he has had a slow start uh, this season so far. Christian Kirk went over 1,000 yards after everybody ridiculed the Jaguars for giving him a huge contract as a free agent. Um, But this year, it's also been, you know, kind of slow for him. And Zay Jones, I think he's dealing with injuries, former Bill, by the way. Uh, I think he's dealing with injuries, but he's not done anything this season, it seems. Uh, I think he has less than 10 catches. I want to say five. I don't know. Yeah, Zay Jones has five receptions on the season, and he was hurt. He mm-hmm. missed the last game. I think he missed the game before that, too. He's only played two this season. Um, He's questionable this week, isn't he? I believe so, because he and they are in a bit of a bind with their receivers. Let's see if I can find the injury report for this one. Um, yep. When I saw Jamal it, it was Agnew Zay Jones well. questionable. Ah, Jamal Agnew. And yeah, so, he's more of a gadget guy, though. But their receiver depth is pretty suspect because they ran into a situation this game last weekend where I forget who was taking punts for them, uh, but then he got hurt too. And so they didn't have any depth, but Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, you know, paid well. They are supposed to be electric receivers, but they are not uh, providing the issues for defenses that people would have expected them to at this point. They're real. I'm going to pick the bills here and I think maybe we can move on to tight end because their main receiving threat so far has been Evan Ingram. He's been the most effective in the receiving game for them. He doesn't have the touchdowns, but he's got 232 yards receiving and has been targeted almost 30 times. So for a tight end, that's a pretty heavy usage, right? He's definitely um, Trevor Lawrence's security blanket in this offense. And I think that he, presents a lot of matchup problems. This was like when the uh, Giants drafted Evan Ingram. This is the version that they thought they were going to be getting uh, because he's such an athletic player. He is big and he, yeah, is a huge matchup uh, nightmare for linebackers. And I'll be curious to see how, I'm guessing Terrell Bernard is on Evan Ingram a lot this game, and I'm curious to see how that matchup goes. All right. Let's talk. We didn't pick though, right? Oh, so uh, I'm taking the Bills. I, I know that we didn't yeah, use our tight ends last week as much as yeah. I expected them to, but between Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, that's a lot more talent and scarier weapons than Evan Ingram and Luke Farrell. I think is their other tight end. Um, so give me the Bills. I'm going. I'll go the Jaguars here just to be different, and I'll kind of defend that by saying the way that the Jaguars use Evan Ingram. Uh, is more effective than how they've been able to utilize their two tight ends, the Bills, that is. And uh, Dalton Kincaid, as I said, a lot of catches last game, but wasn't able to do a whole lot with it. So I'm going to give it to Evan Ingram here. All right. Offensive line. Uh, (laughs) 
I don't really know. I do know Cam Robinson. I think this is the first game that he's eligible to come back after a suspension, a PED suspension. So maybe he's just like, he's either roided out and ready to go, or he's, you know, uh, coming off of the drugs and he's kind of, you know, shrunk and deflated a little bit, so to say. Uh, either way, I, I think that the Bills have the more talented offensive line. Yeah, they're getting pretty good production um, out of some of the interior. So Brandon Scherf and Walker Little are their two guards, and okay. they're playing pretty well. But on the edges, they've been running into trouble. That's going to be a weak point. Uh, it looks like they've got uh, Anton Harrison, who's a first-round draft pick from this year. So a rookie right tackle who hopefully the Bills can exploit. Where did exploit. he play, Oklahoma? Uh, let me find out. Oklahoma Sooners, yep. So he was their first round pick this year. And I think you mentioned that they have Cam Robinson on the other side. Um, But let me see. Let me see if I can check on his snap counts because they've got him listed as a starter, but I don't see him playing here. Say who? Uh, Cam Robinson. Yeah, because he was suspended, bro. Oh, this is his first game back. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, was, yeah, you didn't hear my diatribe about him coming back from his PED suspension? No, I did not. So, there's yeah, a four game suspension on that? Uh, it was. All right. So, then he'll be their left tackle. And I guess his effective, effectiveness this season remains to be seen. But the Bills' offensive line has played great. They have shattered expectations, I would say, um, across the board. So, give me the Bills because they're playing like a very good offensive line right now, protecting Josh and blocking in the run game. Again, I give us a lot of credit for uh, motivating Spencer Brown to pick up his level of play. So, yeah, he's you know absolutely been improving. That's on the back for us. Uh-huh. On a week-to-week basis, he's coming along. So Bill's offensive line, baby. How about the defensive line? Um, I can honestly say I know nothing about the Jaguars' front seven. No? Uh, Josh well, Allen. Walker. No, I, yeah, but... Former first overall draft pick. He has not done anything, I feel like. No, he had a good start to last season, and everyone was like, oh, okay, it makes sense passing up on Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> At this point, I don't think that makes any sense. He's not playing particularly well. They do have Josh Allen, the defensive Josh Allen, though, and he's a monster, and he's playing extremely yeah. well. They've had trouble with him in the past. The Bills have. So um, between those two, they've got talent on the edges, but the rest of the defensive line is pretty weak. They've got Adam Goetzis in the middle, who's – been in the league for eight years now and um he's not a particularly impressive interior defensive lineman and uh roy robertson harris will be in the interior for a lot of the game as well another veteran who's been around for a long time and not been super effective so the bills have the edge here for sure because ed oliver is playing like a maniac daquan jones has been unbelievable and even on the edge the bills have been looking really good without von miller uh greg rousseau looked great last week AJ Epinesa has been getting his hands up and blocking passes and picking balls off. Right. It's been, yeah, it's been great. Yep. He's definitely uh, putting himself in position for a nice contract at the end of this season. Yeah, AJ for sure. Epinesa. Uh, but yeah, I think you and I park our cars in the same garage here, Graham. I'm choosing the Bills front seven. No doubts about it. We didn't even you talk about linebacker. So well, we're doing Josh front Allen seven. technically, Josh Allen technically, uh, I think is listed as a linebacker. Devin Lloyd, uh, is there other like maybe main inside linebacker, I think. Um, and he 
was listed as out in practice today. So I don't even know if he's going to play. He missed and then the game other, last week as well. Yeah, their other their other guy whose name I think I don't know Alukun or something Foyasade Alukun. I think he used um, to play for the Falcons because I remember encountering him in a previous episode and not knowing how to say his name. So yeah, uh, between Foyasade Alukun and oh, the replacement nice. for Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma. This is a terrible linebacker group. Very bad. Um, well, they have a former first-round pick as listed as a backup right now. That's Kayvon Chasen. Clavon Chasen. He played f- for LSU, was drafted at the end of the first round by the Jags back in 2020, and has not done much uh, in his pro career. But I don't know. I feel like there's always, like, every time I go to a game, there's a guy who the Bills are playing, who hasn't done anything for their t- for the opposing team up to that point, and then he has like a baller game. So if I have to nominate one of those people, I'm going to say it's Clavon. If if I have to pick somebody, it's Trayvon Walker, because I don't think their linebackers are very impressive. Chad Muma is graded as the worst linebacker in the league right now. I feel like I said Oof. that about somebody else one of the last couple weeks, but it's now Chad Muma. So <laughs> the Bills, oh. once again, get a nice matchup against the worst linebacker in the league. I remember him. He's former Wyoming, I think. Maybe like a first or second round pick. So, uh, yeah, having a bad season. And Devin Lloyd is also a top-tier pick from Utah. Am I thinking of the right? Yeah. So they've got a lot of premier draft picks on this defense, but really only Josh Allen is this. And Trayvon Walker has had moments. uh, But the Bills win everywhere. Interior, edge, linebacker, Bills defense is far superior. How about corner? We agree. Uh, the cornerback position for the Jaguars is one that I'm not super familiar with. I do know that Tyson Campbell is a dog. Uh, he was drafted out of Georgia in the second round. He's basically like a first round pick because he was the 33rd pick in the second round. And he's very good or was very good last season for them. Uh, and their other cornerback, Darius Williams, is I think a guy who's more been like a journeyman, I think, right? He's kind of bounced around a little bit. He's been in the league for six Um, years. So uh, yeah, I know he played for the Rams, but I want to say he played for another team too. Uh, What are his PFF PFF grades like this season? Cause I don't know. He's having a great year. Is he? Yep. He is performing better according to the experts uh, than his counterpart on the other side. And um, so, yeah, he is kind of the, the bright spot in this secondary right now. Um, Tyson Campbell hmm. doing okay, but as a in coverage, um, the journeyman on the other side, Darius Williams, is having the best season for the Jags. I think he's going to have his hands full against Stephon Diggs, and I don't know if they're going to try to put him in man coverage. I don't think anyone in this secondary is built for that. I think they're going to have to get creative, uh, but he's having a good year. Yeah. Nice. Good for Darius Williams. Uh, I think I have to give it to the Jaguars here because the Bills, of course, are missing Trey White. As much as I love the depth that the Bills have, Christian Benford was dealing with his own injury. Remember, he he left uh, last week's game, I think, with a shoulder injury, right? Yeah, but he and, came back. Uh, he came back. And he, he did. Came. He did. And Taron Johnson looked like a beast. Dane Jackson looked great too. Had a couple of real solid tackles, but yeah, I don't think did Kyrie Elam even get in the game. No, he was scratched again. I think. Yeah. So Jeez, he won't be scratched next week. 
but no, I still would take the Bills secondary here. Taron Johnson, we always forget him, but he's so solid as the Bills' number three corner. Oh, I thought you meant uh, cornerbacks only. Yeah, Taron Johnson is a corner. Yeah, 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 but you said secondary. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, well, he's an important part of the Bills' cornerback group. Um, so you, I'll take Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, and Taron Johnson over Darius Williams, Tyson Campbell, and Trey Herndon, which is what the Jags are trotting out there at cornerback. Okay, well, we disagree because I do. would take the top two for the Jaguars. And how about the safeties? Um, safeties, interesting safeties. The I know the Jaguars have a dog in Andre Sisco, former Syracuse Orange uh, team member, but he's playing really good. Their other safety is not. Rayshon Jenkins is getting burned baby and i like what i saw to taylor rap last game filling in for jordan poyer i don't know what jordan poyer's status is but if uh you know micah hyde plays like he's been playing and taylor rap can continue to fill in admirably for jordan poyer i don't think there's any way i i can choose the jaguars over the bills here no you got to give the bills the edge they looked great last week in coverage even without jordan poyer so um and Andre Sisco, you're right, having a good year, but Javon Holland was having a good year, and the Bills did whatever they right. wanted against the Dolphins' defense. So I don't think it matters really who you put at safety for the Jaguars this week. I take the Bills. Fair enough. All right, special teams. Oh, let's see how the Jags are doing with field goals. Brandon McManus has not missed yet, so maybe I, know, I go with him. Team, baby. Uh, wait a minute. He hasn't no, missed, missed a PAT yet. Yeah. He has missed two field goals. Oh boy, that's trouble. And I don't think Tyler Bass has missed one. He's so missed some long ones. He missed one that was over 50, points. but the other one was between 40 and 49 yards. Oh, uh, so okay. give me the bills. Tyler Bass, AFC player of the month, right? Or special teams player of the month. Sure. Hard sure. to argue with I, that. How can you go against that? Yeah. Let's not forget Sam Martin either here. Bruh. He punts it, man. You... You like watching so punting? Hard. Oh boy, Sam Martin can really wind that leg up and let it fly. Yes, he can. All right. The only other thing to talk about then is coaching, and I'm going to keep mine short. I choose the Bills. Uh, there could you could make the argument though, couldn't you? That Sean McDermott is not as accomplished as this Jaguars coaching staff. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, based on Super Bowl victories. That's right. Uh, but right now, yeah, yeah I take Sean McDermott. He just performed a master class for the rest of the NFL on how to shut Let's down. Let's give Doug Peterson some credit, though, because he has really transformed the Jacksonville Jaguars after the, like, Sean Payton called uh, Nathaniel Hackett's coaching job last year with the Broncos the worst coaching job of all time. That has to be Urban Meyer. Like, <laughs> can you think of a worse coaching tenure? Than Urban Myers, uh, um, not just with like the results on the field because he won a game or a few games, but just all the other stuff that you were hearing outside of it, including <laughs> kicking uh, the kicker and saying "make some effing kicks, idiot" or something like that. Yeah, Did you hear that story? It's pretty that bad. Great. Yeah, um, you're right. So, I'm trying to think to of the Peterson name for turning things around. Who was the coach of the Browns when they went zero and sixteen? 
Uh, and he only got one year, right? Was it Chudzinski? No, because I thought it was. And I, oh, wait, maybe. Okay, yes, because he no. was. Young. He, he was uh, let me see. No, 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 no. I know who you're talking about. Oh, shoot. Hugh. Uh, is it Hugh Jackson? Oh, man. Now I got to find out. When was this? Yes, Hugh Jackson. Maybe you're he right. Got, he, he somehow went winless with the Browns and got a second uh, season to coach them. He won one game his first year with the Browns, right? Then <laughs> he went 0-16 in his second year and somehow was able to keep his job for seven whole games or maybe even eight. <laughs> okay, 2017 is the Cleveland Browns winless season. Uh Hugh Jackson, you're right. So, he's my pick for worst coaching job of all time. He didn't win a single game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think though part of that and part of the reason, you know, I think the 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 fact that he got a third season backs this up. They were clearly tanking and they were clearly buying into this whole like moneyball style uh, analytics deal where they were just like stripping down the roster and trying as best as they could to uh, maximize draft capital, including, you know, uh, losing games. Yep. That was a pretty embarrassing performance by that coaching staff. Uh, but in any case so, here, Sean McDermott absolutely put on a clinic last week. He's one of the best coaches in the league. So give me Seanzy. All right. So final score, Graham, in London, at Buffalo in London. That makes no sense. Right. It's Buffalo at home, but in London. And uh, just so you're aware, the spread is five and a half points right now in favor of the Bills. I think the Bills are going to blow that spread out of the water. So I'm taking Bills 35, Jaguars 21. I'm going to roll with you there. I'm saying the Bills kill the spread. I'm going to go 42, 40 burger on these Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, because I want to see scoring, I'm going to say 24, 42, 24. And I'm so confident about this, Graham, that I'm rolling with them as my pick. You're picking the Bills in the survivor pool. Nice. You survived last week with the Broncos, and I barely escaped with the Eagles. Um, I'm going to... Against the plucky commanders. And I'm going to take the commanders this week because the commanders... Ooh. We're pretty impressive last week. I know. And I know. they are hosting the Bears, who are laughably bad. So I don't think I can lose with commanders at home. So give me Sam Howell and company. That was like a you different know, team. Watching them. I know. Do you ever watch a team that the Bills just destroyed go play a game against anyone else and think like, wow, well, the Bills the are on another planet. Week, wasn't it? it was the opposite this past week with the Dolphins. You know, boat racing the exactly. Broncos and then looking very, very uh, vulnerable. But all these teams, like they destroy the Raiders and then Devontae Adams goes for like 170 yards and two touchdowns. It's like the Bills are good, man. They're so good and they make teams yeah. look bad. So give me the commanders because maybe the commanders aren't as trash as they looked when they played the Bills. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I considered picking the commanders, even though I already picked them. So that was impossible. But I mean, I looked over to see if I could pick them because I, just was looking at the team across from the Chicago Bears. And then I thought about it, and like, yeah, the Bears are an absolute dumpster fire. They're own four. Their coordinators quitting. Things are getting stolen from their facility. And they just told Chase Claypool, who I think we spoke about a little bit 
before they told him to stay away from the facility uh, and like not come anymore. Just don't show up. Huh. So he's got to get traded. But <laughs> in all of this madness, in all of this madness, I feel like there's just enough weirdness in football for them to surprise people and pick off a plucky commander's team this week. So that's what I'm hoping for, at least. I, uh, I do I considered... not think the same about Buffalo Jacksonville. No, I think the Bills are solid. I considered taking the Texans here because they're on a bit of a heater and their quarterback's looking good and they're playing the Falcons, another team that I think is just abysmal. Um, but I think the safer play is Washington. I think at two and two, though, the Falcons are at the stage where like Arthur Smith has got to be pretty close to replacing uh, Desmond Ritter. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, uh, What's that quarterback who started a bunch of games for the Commanders in the last few seasons? Tyler something, right? Or Taylor? Shoot, what's his name? I, I can't don't remember. know. But they've got a very good backup quarterback, and I could see a good backup quarterback coming in for this team and leading them with a strong running game to a victory over the Texans, so I wouldn't have picked them either. I just think teams can't survive on just a running game. As exciting as B. John Robinson is, uh, oh, Taylor Heineke. That's what you're thinking of. Taylor Heineke, right. Yeah. Yep, yep. Good call. Good call. All right. Well, I think that does it. Thanks for tuning that in, everybody. You have a good time at that game, man. I know it goes against everything Thanks, you stand bro. for, actually attending a I game know. in person, I know. but I, know. I think you're going to have a good time. I'll grin and bear it, and I'll enjoy it with our uh, podcast buddy, Thomas, who texted me in the middle of last week's game and said, Tremaine Edmonds who? when Terrell Bernard was uh, flying all over the field. Seriously, though, Terrell Bernard's looking great. He is. All right. Well, thank you very much to all the fans. You know, keep the questions, comments, everything else coming on the episode. And uh, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.